Welcome to Religious Studies News. I'm your host, Christian Peterson, and today I'm here with Lincoln Mullen. He's an assistant professor of history at George Mason University and winner of the best first book in the history of religions from the AAR. He's here to speak to us about his book, The Chance of Salvation, A History of Conversion in America, which was published with Harvard University Press. Uh, Congratulations, Lincoln, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me to talk about the book. Yeah, it's a, it's really a wonderful book. I think, uh, you know, as somebody who doesn't work in American religions, I really gained a lot of it in terms of its uh, kind of framing. And I really uh, enjoyed kind of the rich detail you go into in terms of uh, giving various narratives uh, f- from uh, your examples that you bring into the story. So uh, congrats on, on writing a great book. Well, thank you. Um, so one of the main claims that the book is uh, trying to demonstrate is that in the 19th century uh, in America, religious identity went from uh, a matter of inheritance, as you call it, to one of choice. And, and one I think that you in one place call an obligated choice. So what exactly do you mean by this? Uh, and what, what are the kind of historical conditions that made this shift possible? What I'm trying to get at in the book is the way that the religious identity changes over time, and especially that it changes over time for many different kinds of religious groups that typically haven't been studied together, uh, uh, at least outside of survey textbooks and the like. So when I talk about religion becoming a a choice, uh, there's a a couple of um, ways that I mean that that are different than the uh, perhaps straightforward thing that comes to mind uh, when you think about religion as something that's been chosen, uh, perhaps most typically when this has been written about uh, in revivals or, or things like that in American religious history. So one thing that I'm trying to describe is how religious identity shifts along a spectrum. And I really want to emphasize that I don't think that absolutely everybody has exactly the same kind of religious experience that at some defined moment in the, um, in the history of conversion, people go from inheriting their religion to to choosing it, but that gradually, and for, for many people, it moves along the spectrum from religion being something that you, uh, inherit, uh, from your family that you're taught, uh, as a child, uh, that you're raised in. Uh, and that uh, many people stay with uh, throughout their lives uh, to being something where even if you remain in your religion, but especially if you move from one religion uh, to the other, uh, you have had to uh, change the terms under which you are affiliated with that religion, uh, that you've had to make some kind of a a choice about that. Uh, And I'll give you an example of that. that comes from the introduction of the book. Uh, In the introduction of the book, I talk about um, somebody who was raised in uh, 18th century New England, uh, who was um, very clearly affiliated with Christianity uh, from his parents. Uh, And this man, Samuel Hill, uh, then goes off to sea, as many people in New England did at that time. Uh, He was, by all accounts, a pretty terrible person. um, And he became... uh, irreligious. Uh, He would have called himself an infidel. Uh, He was uh, quite well read. He read Voltaire. He read Tom Paine. He um, 
he explicitly mocked the Christianity that he grew up with. So he, he consciously sort of made this choice to disaffiliate from religion. Uh, he tried to get his wife to disaffiliate too. She seems to have uh, persisted in her uh, Christian affiliation. Um, but when he gets to, to China, uh, of all places, uh, he encounters a, a Protestant missionary, actually an Anglican missionary. He uh, takes some books and Bibles with him. And then as he's uh, reads them on his way back uh, across the Pacific, uh, he converts uh, back to Christianity. And the Christianity that he converts back to is not so very different from the Christianity that he grew up with. It's a kind of a Protestant Christianity, uh, Congregationalist. Uh, it, it emphasizes um, the need for a kind of an inner heart religion. Um, but whereas those things had been inculcated in him from his youth, and then he consciously rejected them, uh, he he turns back to them uh, in his adulthood. Uh, and so the the religious affiliation that he has is more or less the same, but the conditions under which he holds it uh, have changed. And so throughout the book, I try to uh, explain how people uh, have um, different religious groups uh, have experienced changes under the conditions under which they hold their, their religious affiliation. And so the first difference is that it um, moves uh, in a kind of a spectrum. The second way that I think the, the meaning of the word choice that I'm using there is different uh, is that I'm uh, borrowing a phrase from, from William James uh, who talks about choice as being obligated. So we tend to think about uh, choice as being something that's free. And if there's a, a phrase in uh, American religious history, at least, which is overused and uh, not thought about as much as it, it could be, uh, it's the phrase that American religion is a free marketplace. Uh, this idea can sometimes be uh, uh, elaborated at, at great length, uh, and it implies a kind of a, a homo economicus, sort of a, a utility maximizing kind of a person. But I don't think that's what religious choice, at least in the 19th century United States, was like at all. If people described what their religious choices were like, uh, they often regretted uh, that they had to make them. Now, it's certainly true that you can find people, um, you know, perhaps evangelical Protestants would be the sort of the classic case, um, who think of this sort of opting into the new birth uh, as being a very positive thing. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but many people emphasize the the fact that they were presented with other religious options, that, that that those options that were presented to them, perhaps by missionaries, perhaps by moving to a new place, um, the most uh, common occurrence would be, of course, marrying across religious lines. Uh, they really re regret that those cho choices obligated them to think about their religious affiliation and that they had to decide either to remain or decide to leave. And it's the deciding more than the actual moving that I'm trying to get at uh, in, this, in this book. And so you can find some very um, interesting uh, takes on what it means to have a kind of a chosen religion. And in the chapter on Judaism, for instance, 
I emphasize the degree to which American Jews resisted attempts to uh, be converted to Christianity for the most part uh, quite successfully, um, but that the, that the Christian missionary endeavor in fact pressed a kind of a choice on American Jews uh, that they didn't want to have to make in the first place. And then when I talk about American Catholics, uh, what I found striking about conversions to Roman Catholicism in the United States was that people talked about going to Catholicism as being a kind of a choice to not have to make a choice, that they were uh, going to the form of Christianity with the best historical tradition by their lights, um, one that was a more authoritative, um, one in which they could be received into the church rather than choose the church. And so what's American about American religion, I want to argue, is not simply that it's a kind of a, a system of sex to borrow, so a very old language from um, even the 19th century, uh, but that this uh, the, that there's a longing to get outside that system, uh, that that choice is not a universally positive good um, then or now. Now, um, the conversion in the in your title um, kind of sets up uh, a, a theoretical vantage point in in many ways, and uh, part of what you do uh, early on in the book is talk about uh, the varieties of conversion. Um, in a way. And you, you are using this term in a very particular way uh, among your subjects. So um, can you talk a little bit about um, how, how you use conversion uh, as an, an analytical framework, um, a little bit about uh, a typical pattern or cycle of conversion that you encounter from, from your many, many examples? Um, and then also, um, I'm really interested to hear about uh, how you think uh, thinking about conversion as a as a domain of inquiry um, can help provide a uh, a synthesis of American religious history, uh, which I think is one of the the things you accomplish in this book. So, what do I mean by uh, conversion in the title? Uh, the word could mean lots of different things, and I. Um, try to talk about the ways that it was actually used by uh, historical actors. The, um, the way that I'm using it here is as uh, a movement across religious boundaries. Uh, this could be across um, religious boundaries that were pretty widely recognized in the 19th century. Uh, so, for instance, um, moving from uh, Christianity to Judaism or from Judaism to Christianity uh, was a pretty big step. Um, I also talk about this as being uh, movements between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism uh, as being a jump across religions, not because I don't think that they're both a part of Christianity, quite obviously that they, they are, uh, but for uh, many people in the 19th century United States, uh, they didn't recognize those kinds of boundaries. What was interesting is that um, Roman Catholics had a kind of theology that could explain uh, Protestantism, but Protestants didn't have a theology that could explain Roman Catholics, at least as, as Christians. And so I regard that as kind of a jump across faith. 
as a, as a kind of a, a rule of thumb, um, a conversion across religions is one in which you need to have some kind of a ritual or some kind of a formal theology uh, to explain what is going on. Uh, so it could be uh, baptism in the case of, of Christianity or the uh, ritual and halakhic conversions in, in Judaism, for instance, uh, that demarcate that step of transition. Uh, maybe a sort of a much looser rule of thumb would be that uh, a conversion as opposed to just religious switching is something that would make your parents mad. Uh, it's the kind of thing that would have a kind of a, a familial uh, and social repercussions to it. But within that kind of vein, I think that there can be uh, movements that people regarded as being across religious boundaries, even if as scholars, we, we would probably think of them in a different sort of category. And the example that I'm that I talk about in chapter one about Protestant conversions is that um, if you look at, say, 17th century Puritan narratives, um, people tend to talk about themselves as moving to a kind of a, a fuller step in their faith, in their their conversion um, narratives, uh, that they're that those narratives are not so much questioning whether they are actually Christian or not but about whether they should have access to the Lord's ta table uh, and to the, into the sacrament. But what I found striking about uh, 19th century conversion narratives, especially those in the American tract society or in others places is that uh, Protestant Christians who are by all accounts, not just uh, Christian affiliated, having been baptized perhaps as, as children um, attending church, uh, learning the catechisms, uh, reading the Bible, and so forth. You know, by all markers, you know, participants in their their congregations, uh, until they had a kind of an experience of the new birth, they regarded themselves as heart infidels, um, because the the major antagonist, uh, more felt than real, uh, was infidelity. And so I think that they sort of recategorize their conversions as being away from um, from moving from one step in affiliation to a sort of a higher step in affiliation to moving from what they regarded as no sort of meaningful affiliation at all to a an actual genuine uh, kind of belonging. Uh, I appreciate the question about how this leads to a kind of a synthetic view of American religious history. What I was what I was looking for was a, a topic that would let me talk about many different kinds of of religious groups. And in the book, I uh, talk about uh, white Protestant Christians. I talk about Cherokee converts uh, in the southeast, um, about African American converts around the time of the. Uh, the Civil War, about Latter-day Saints, and about Jews and, and Catholics. So that's not every American religious group, to be sure, um, but uh, it, it was a lot, or at least it felt like a lot while I was researching the book. Um, and I needed a topic that would let me discuss them. And conversion occurred to me because conversion is the place where in the actual practice of religion, people move from one boundary to the other. And it's also uh, 
not just in terms of practice, but in terms of uh, religious thought, it's where different religious groups think about their relationship to other groups. What do we need to um, rebaptize somebody? Um, is a different ritual appropriate? Um, for example, uh, Catholics, if they were converting a Protestant, um, didn't think that baptism was necessary, but sometimes they would perform conditional baptisms if they weren't sure that the original baptism had been been properly performed. Um, on the other side, uh, Baptists uh, would, of course, always rebaptize uh, a Roman Catholic. Uh, and you could talk about those sort of connections and theologies uh, at different places. And then uh, I also appreciate the question about um, uh, the, the way that this allows us to theorize American religion. I have great uh, appreciation for the people in our field who are sort of keen theoretical thinkers. Um, I don't think that that's my gift as a scholar, uh, to be sure. And so the way that I tried to bring in some religious theory was by talking about um, people that are sometimes regarded as uh, religious study theorists, but putting them in the book as historical actors. And so the book starts with, with Hannah Adams and her Dictionary of Religions, uh, but then really it ends on with William James and his Varieties of Religious Experiences and his essay, The Will to Believe. But what I'm trying to do there is not use him naively as a kind of religious theorist, although I, I certainly find a lot to appreciate there, but to try to say that what James was saying about American religion, or pardon me, about religion in general, was not something that was timeless or, or theoretical, but that was it was very much historically conditioned uh, and actually part of the conditions of American religion at the very beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, it's uh, I, I found that really interesting. And there was a couple of points where uh, I was not expecting to uh, kind of cross paths in terms of uh, the things I'm interested in uh, as a, a scholar of religion and and uh, your history of kind of American religion here, but uh, it was very, very useful. I'm wondering um, from from your perspective as the author of the book, um, what you imagine others in the study of religion, uh, how they might benefit from your work, um, either in applying some of these conclusions or thinking about uh, the, the method you uh, use, um, how, how might uh, scholars of religion benefit from your work? One thing that I would hope um, might come out of reading this book would be to uh, encourage other religious study scholars or historians of American religion to try to think uh, synthetically about our field. It's such an exciting field to be a part of, and so many people are doing really exciting work. Uh, and where um, the history of American religion has really been re rewritten and I think the time is is ripe to try to put a lot of those pieces together and explain the American religious landscape uh, as a whole. Um, I'm going to try to make my other my own sort of modest attempts at that with with data analysis and um, uh, a project to uh, map the 1926 census. But I would really love to see other people in the field uh, take other approaches to doing a kind of a synthesis of, uh, of American religion, to find ways to bring these different groups um, together, 
uh, and see if they can be put together in a single angle of vision. But I don't mean to imply that um, when I say that this book is a kind of a, a synthetic history, that it's the only one that could be written or, or should be written. Um, I think we're not in the kind of a model of some giant tome uh, that, that seeks to explain everything that could be said about American religion. Far from it. Um, this is definitely not that book, to be sure. But uh, I hope that the, that reading about these, these six different chapters, about six different groups, uh, might encourage other people to try to do the same thing. And of course, there are people in our field who are doing that already. Well, Lincoln, uh, congratulations on a wonderful book. I think you've certainly added to uh, uh, our collective efforts in, in thinking about uh, American religion specifically, but also uh, the study of religion more broadly. So uh, congratulations, and thanks for making some time to talk about your book. Well, thank you for talking to me about it. Mm-hmm.